1: In this bonus episode of Secret Handshake, I speak with Michelle Garza Cervera, the writer and director behind upcoming Mexican horror film Huesera the Bone Woman. Huesera follows Valeria, a woman who's been trying to get pregnant with her husband for a while, and when she finally succeeds, her joy quickly turns to dread as she's besieged by visions of a horrific looking woman, the titular Bone Woman, who begins stalking her, and in addition to that, she begins having wild second thoughts about the pregnancy itself. Now, that's a bare-bones description, no pun intended. Um, There's a lot more going on with the film that I would hate to spoil because I think it's well worth your time to go in as blind as possible. But what made me want to seek Michelle out and talk to her is... I went into this film knowing nothing about it. It was playing at a little film festival in my art house, Indie Theater, in, here in downtown Pittsburgh. And they ha, every year they have a Scary horror festival, which is a little indie horror festival. They play a couple movies. Um, I, I saw Kids vs. Aliens there this year, for example. Had a lot of fun with that. But I hadn't heard anything about Huesera. And when I came out of the theater, I was kind of in a daze because one the ending on this thing is gutsy as all hell something we won't be spoiling here or in the interview but two i was so impressed with how willing she was and it's almost kind of sad that you have to you know say this now but how willing she was to let the film speak for itself visually you know th- this has been an ongoing talk in film circles particularly on twitter you know for the extremely online <laughs> where there's been a bit of a pushback against, you know, the "quote unquote" it's about trauma horror films, films that kind of forget to scare you or forget to be interesting visually, and instead almost become TED talks on their on their themes. You know, like whether it's about trauma, victimhood, motherhood, th- things of that nature. This is something that Huisser is dealing with, but Michelle has such a confidence. in... In her own vision, first and foremost, and in the audience, to not spell anything out for you, and to let you just sit with her characters, with Valeria, with Valeria's past as it comes to the fore, and really just let you take in everything that she's doing and scary, scaring the shit out of you, which is, you know, what you want to do in a horror film. That's arguably why we're there, and I just I found it so refreshing, but I. F- I found her vision so exciting. She has such a strong command on color, on l- little symbolic imagery peppered throughout the film. Spiders and spider webs are a big thing, and when you catch on to that, you start looking out for you know structural things. Whether it's you know a bridge Valeria is walking under, or things in her house, you know you start looking out for little spider webs here and there, or things that resemble that. It it becomes exciting to just see someone who. Has such a, str- a strong grasp on what what we look for as film fans when we go to horror. You know, we want to be scared. We want to deal with heavy themes, but we want them to be be able to speak for themselves and not have the writer and or director kind of you know laying out a tweet thread, so to speak, of what what they're talking about thematically. So that really excited me, and the film's just scary. It's it. it There's something so cinematically resonant about fingers cracking, knuckles cracking, rather, and, you know, some bones cracking. The sound just encompasses you when you're in the theater. And it's just such a strong sound and image that the film gets so much mileage out of it. But I just, I really wanted to sit down with Michelle and speak with her because it's the first time in a long time that a debut feature from a director really hit me right right in my core and really excited me in ways that I haven't been excited in quite a while. If it doesn't come to your town, earmark it after listening to this episode and absolutely seek it out. It's something that I think will will be on my best of the year list by December, and I and I just I'm gonna f- follow her wherever she goes. Now she's one of those filmmakers that you know just you really just lit a fire under me from minute one. So enjoy this episode, really enjoyed talking to her and yeah, we'll see you on the other side. So uh, basically, um, the, the one of the biggest things that drew me to uh, Huesera, I still don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, but yes. I, okay, okay, awesome. <laughs> um, uh, it was, I'm not overly familiar with um, with like Mexican folklore and everything. And and I found the story to, the story of the bone woman to be so fascinating. And I was trying to find more information on like that, that folk story or that myth, and I couldn't find much about it. And I was just wondering, how did how were you drawn to this? Uh, was that something that you knew about before the movie? Like, was that something that you had like heard before? Or um, is, is folklore something that you're super interested in?
0: Yeah, honestly, like, it's not a very well-known tale. It's not like La Llorona that everybody knows.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. it's not like La Huesera. Maybe I've heard the name, you know, like sometimes, but I, I wasn't really familiar until, like, in my 20s, I I went through the loss of my mom, oh. and a friend recommended to me a, a book called uh, Women Who Run With Wolves, which is written by a psychoanalyst. Uh, I, she's from, she's a Chicana. Um, I don't remember exactly what city, Clarissa Pincola is her name, and she analyzes like uh, uh, tales, like folk tales from Mexico and from the border, uh, like border towns, and uh, one of those are like, is like Wasera. and her analysis of that tale is amazing, uh, because it, it basically speaks about uh, finding pieces of yourself that you're kind of like, not wanting to see, you know, it's like going through that process of digging in a very arid and like very violent place to be like the desert. And um, and, you know, I'm going through that process and work of putting uh, those pieces of yourself together. And, you know, and going through a ritual and then setting yourself those part of yourself free, you know, so that and it's, it's, it comes from the bone. So it, it, it stick with me for years. Like it's something that I always I even I had a punk band. Back then, I, I had a couple songs that spoke about that tale and that analysis, and I got obsessed maybe by that concept. And then, little by little, that cooked on my head <laughs> until <laughs> my head <existed. laughs> well, I.
1: Well, I found it particularly, uh, in like engaging for me uh, to see, you know, I this film, and then I watched, you know, your short the original, and both you you seem drawn to genre and particularly horror and. You know, you, but both both of them deal with kind of universal themes of like motherhood. Um, you know, be both of them. You know, the the short and uh, huissara also deal with um, you know, being you know queer women and everything. And you know, the the original deals with uh, cancer. And you know, these are like very u- universal themes. But what do you find about framing them through the lens of horror? What what are the advantages of that? Do you think like framing these universal concepts through something like horror something that's you know a little more distant and, and everything like that
0: yeah i'm very happy to know that you watched the, <laughs> the original it's a very personal short film for me yeah and, um yeah I, I really it's something that at first it, it it it's really something that comes with the way i express you know like since i was a teenager everything i wrote and every short film i did since i started everything has come up that way that's how i write and. And now that I'm doing analysis, you know, therapy and all that, I understand, like, to me, genre really allows me to kind of, like, stop in my daily life. Like, and and one emotion I have in a second, like, you can really, re- like, uh, portray it with an image or a sound, like, immediately. So something that you have to write, like, a 10-page, like, essay, you know, or something like that is very complex for us to express and I feel like that's very generous from the genre like horror or sci-fi. You know, like very fastly you can speak some about something like, like losing someone, for example, in the case of the original, um, and and kind of like, you know, like really wanting to go back to back days, you know, like to past days. And those kind of concepts are very hard. And and I'm sure like also drama, you know, like non-genre films can do it. But in my way of expressing myself, I guess I find that aspect of horror like
1: so amazing yeah and and i what i find you know not to get too spoilery because i i know hoisera is not even technically out yet um but um what i find so bold about your work is that both um this and the original uh the endings are kind of like murky in terms of like you know w- with you know the especially with hoisera which you know again i it's so hard to talk about without spoiling but um but I I've, I just really appreciated that you know I think honestly in a more American version of this movie it probably would have ended with a much you know again being as vague as possible happier ending but I think what is so bold about your movie is that it is a happy ending but it's because of you know what what she goes through what Valeria goes through and I just I'm wondering you know what I I, I guess you know it's maybe not so much of a question unfortunately but um. But, but I just think that there's, especially in a lot of like American horror lately, there's a lot of didacticism with, you know, beating you over the head with, you know, it's themes and everything. And what I found so so special about your film is that I, I don't think there's, there's not a lot of verbal explanation for what's going on. And there's not a lot of um, I- explaining to you, you know, it's thematic resonance. You kind of let it just play out visually, which I found very refreshing. And I'm just, you know, one thing that I thought really helped with that was Natalia Solian's performance. And I was looking into her and seeing that, you know, she doesn't seem to have done a lot of film work. And I'm just, so what was that casting process like? Uh, How did you find her? Because she, her, her, like, you know, nonverbal performance really, you know, helps the film, you know, move along, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's magnetic. And, you know, like, um, just like... uh... Uh, going back to no, a little bit to what you were saying, honestly, like yeah, I said, kind of rambled. There. Yeah, no, 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 because I, I find it very interesting, and and I appreciate it because both works, I started with the ending. You know, I knew where I wanted to go, so that's kind of like that's like the, the, the like the principle or like the first idea I have. Like okay, I have to write a story about a uh, that is going to end that way. So then, how do I write a whole process that you can I can cause empathy with that kind of character? So that's kind of I like those challenges and um that's where I start. And also something that I really care about with my co-writer, uh Abia Castillo is also a, a very close friend of mine, is that we we really try never to be explanatory, like never uh, um I we really don't like we, we, we don't like content that is kind that feels preachy. You know, I I I find myself very like I, I I'm very much into politics, but I feel like when you're in fiction, it's it's kind of like, it's very tough, you know, to, to deal with something that is kind of trying to teach you something. So we always try to push away from that. Every, every dialogue that we kind of feel like, oh my, that's kind of giving, like that's pushing the story. It shouldn't be pushing the story, like dialogue. And we really try to do that that kind of storytelling. So I'm very happy that you're saying that. And, um, and honestly, Natalia Solian, I feel like she's the perfect kind of actor for that. Because as as you were saying, like I saw her in the theater here in Mexico, like she's big in theater here, even though she's very young, and uh, because she's magnetic, like she has something that is, she's a kind of actress that you believe that she's looking into to a monster or like that she's that like, she's suffering a a fracture in in one of her bones, you know, and that's very hard to, do. I, it, and it's also a mystery for me, and and it was almost immediate when I got her casting tape that I knew that was her. Natalia has the like with one movement of an eye or like her mouth, like she says so much. And and I was on set and I would let the camera roll because she was she's kind of like hypnotic in a way. And oh, yeah, uh, she definitely. was just perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: definitely. And and one thing you touched on is like, you know, telling the story without, you know, I like preaching it at you and everything. And one thing that I think you do so well with this is the, the visual component. Um, you know, there's a lot of like I I've I've seen you say this in, you know, a few other interviews that you you know spiders and spider webs were like a big part of this. And and that was something I was picking up on even just in the moment watching it before I knew anything about the movie, was that I I I was it was kind of nice to have that um have that validated after the fact because you know, there's the scene where she's walking under the bridge and it looks like there's a big spider web over her, or there's just like imagery peppered into the background of you know just different you know decor around the house looks like spider webs and i'm just you know what was were spiders something that were wrapped up into the uh folklore of uh the bone woman or is that something that you added uh, into the movie
0: no we added it um it was it's very funny but like during the process of writing like La Huesera really had an evolution that, I mean, if you knew like how it started, it was completely different, you know, like, and then the we, we always put uh, Valeria's path um, and her, yeah, her travel, I guess, in the top, you know, that was the priority. So kind of like we started working and working and working until kind of we found a way to build this entity working for her, like specifically, like coming from her anxiety of cracking her bones, you know. But then I, I was also very obsessed, like at the time, and I really still I, I still really love uh this um, sculpture artist from France, uh Louise Bourgeois, that she has these huge spiders that she comp- she compares that to the figure of motherhood, like speaking about like has a form of a, ha- of a house and at the same time of a jail. And um I that was also really in my mind while we were writing. So we kind of like reduced the two rules of La Guessera to be like a uh fractured female body um, and also uh, all these spider-ish aspects, arachnid aspects to it. So that those were like the two aesthetic rules that we had. So that's always also like what we, like location picking, like so much of the production design and even the light and even the sound, like my my sound team, uh, like we were also trying to see like how can we feel like a spider wave, you know, like something that is kind of repeating. We, we really had those rules. In, inside the whole uh, construction of the film, so I'm very glad that you you recognize it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it was it, the bridge especially was such a striking image. But even in her apartment, you know, there there's the scenes you know of like the wall that's kind of fragmented in a certain way to look like a spider web. But it, it's such a cool image, and I I just really loved that. And you talked about the sound, the bone cracking is like horrific, and and I noticed just ever since like i'm I'm a huge knuckle cracker I do it all oh, the time wow. <laughs> and, and so I can't I can't not think of uh of valeria cracking her knuckles every time I do it now is That's funny. It, it, is that what what drew you to that specifically is that something that you know you do is that is that like a habit you have too or is that because because it's a very almost uh I, I never thought of it but it's it's almost like cinematic the the sound of cracking bones and and knuckles specifically it's like in a big theater like that it's very resonant
0: yeah thank you <laughs> honestly like no I, i'm anxious and i do crack my fingers but not as much as other of my friends like now i'm very aware <laughs> of that now i every time some, someone is doing it i'm very aware and um you know what so we started with the legend and then little by little through the writing when i got to that i was like amazed because i was like okay it's something that is very visual and also uh, like uh sound like with I don't know the word but uh, it's kind of like it's very cinematic because with one sound or one image like you, you express an emotion of a character and and it was really through the rewrite that I thought like oh my god it's amazing that I have a character that has this anxiety of cracking her bones and then I can build an entity coming out from that and uh, it, it ends up like breaking it breaking her down you know so it was like to me it was yeah like we were kind of trying that trying to follow the path of like that knife in the eye that is something that it has an immediate reaction to the audience like you you immediately turn around when you see or you hear a, a bone fracture and um, so yeah we thought like yeah we made it because i think it's something <laughs> that very immediate right and very instinctual yeah and uh,
1: in, you mentioned earlier that you know you know through analysis and therapy that you've been discovering things about yourself and i and, you know not to not to tie it into this movie, obviously, but in uh, you know during the whole press tour for Spielberg's *Fablemans*, he's been talking a lot about how he slowly has realized that he's been you know through his filmmaking he he's been basically you know and basically you know going to therapy with every film, and and I'm just wondering you know how much of this you know as much as you're willing to talk about, of course, but how much of this is you know drawn from your own history or you know any anyone that you may have known and because you mentioned that you know you had a punk you were in a punk band and there this has this has a huge punk influence in it and so uh, i'm just wondering you know how much of this is drawn from your own life or you know just you know maybe people in your immediate surrounding
0: yeah you know when when i started writing you're kind of naive because like yeah film is complete therapy i really started writing inspired on the figure of my grandmother, who was a woman that was similar to Valeria. Not, I never met her, but like her life story. Um, and then I, was, I started understanding, okay, well, I started writing this while I was going through the process of, of loss of my mom. And then I started seeing myself, you know, like I was like in my thirties, I was like in the moment where I could pick a uh, domestic life and change my country, maybe uh, stay, like go a little bit away from filmmaking. And all that was like cooking in me, you know, and uh, and I also like this thing that happened with my grandmother and then every family, you know, like there's so much not told, you know, that like so many, so many stories that are told that really cook very bad things and toxic things within families, you know, and the process of making Wesera, like I'm not kidding, like it was completely cathartic for my family history and for myself, like I changed radically my relationship with my father, for example, changed for a a way much better. You know, like we have a a different, we had the conversations we needed to have thanks to the movie. And now he's so proud and so happy about the film, you know, but then when we started, it was like a very difficult thing to speak about. And now I see it with my brothers, I live in, and now like all my family, like they're all men. So it was like very like tough subject. And I feel, I see that affecting each one of them. (laughs) So it's really, it's really crazy, you no? Know? You know, it's like way much more than just a film for me.
1: That that's amazing. I I love that because I like how it's and you know you mentioned domesticity and it's it's really, I I just love the whole image of you know, it basically you know you know not to get too, you know, in the weeds with this, but just the whole image of like her body being you know cracked and broken in, in so many ways. And it's almost like, you know, the world is telling her, you know, you need to conform to this. And, you know, it's her body's like rebelling again. it. it it's just such, I was really just taken with that imagery and with the film because of that. I've never seen, you know, we, we've seen, you know, people pushing back against domesticity in film throughout history, but I've never seen it conveyed that way before. That was just such a, such a cool way to show that. Um, oh yeah, of course, yeah. Um, what in you know, speaking of visually going back to, you know, like all the spider webs and everything, another thing that I noticed was like the, the color palette almost changes as Valeria's like what's happening to her is progressing. And um what were some of the conversations you had with your cinematographer with that? Was that like a I mean, um obviously that had to have been a conscious decision? <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, no, it was like uh no Rubio, she's she's great, she's also a great friend. And uh, we worked so much on planning. Like the shooting was re- rewritten as well. And and we had many rules. Uh, also, I picked with her all the locations which we were really obsessed with, Spiderweb, like walking around the city, we're like, dude, I found this door in this neighborhood. It's so spiderish. Like we, like, you know, like we got, we still are upset. Like we, we see something in the streets that it reminds us to the film. Like we're always sending pictures and, and color uh, wise, like, yeah. Like, so we started with the, with this concept that is kind of basic now, but I think like it's still like something that we're so, um, how to say, like um, used to see dark colors in horror, like being the ones that represent like the horrific, you know? So we were really worried about like, Portraying like a very, you know, like uh, very bright and I don't know, the pastel is that a word in English? Yeah, yep,
1: yep, yeah, yeah. like
0: pastel colors, like very harmonic, but that making that horrific, you know, and also that was the same kind of with the sound, like trying to make the domestic, like that apparently, uh, you know, beautiful and yeah, and harmonic world horrific, you know, and building from that, uh, and then taking her to the darkness, which, if for example, in the case of punk. And uh, Octavia's world, like that's maybe the most the, the most freedom, where, where more freedom is and like more loving and there's no way set out there. And that's like a dark world. Yeah. And but we were kind of trying to make, to break those rules. Um. So I'm, I'm glad you noticed it as well. Oh
1: yeah. Well, it's really exciting when, you know, the, you know, colors that are supposed to be welcoming and inviting are kind of turned on their head like that and make you feel uneasy. I, I love that. And. You know, you've mentioned punk a couple times, and it's very you know clear throughout the movie that that's a big influence on you. And is that something that is still an influence on you? Like, are you still you know engaged in that world?
0: Yes, completely. I mean, I, I can't play in bands anymore <laughs> because film is very intense. <laughs> but I like most of my best friends, and something that I was just in a in a punk show in the weekend. I mean, every time less than before. You know, like before I could be with my group of friends all day long and now work is very intense but I feel like that's the place where I feel very how you say like relaxed you know <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> something that I found there like many years ago that I'm so happy that happened to me it could have been something else I'm not saying like funk is the way to you know like radicalize yourself or whatever but like <laughs> to me it was really like a blanket in my life you know yeah. like it really brought very special people and conversations and thought and you know like recommendations of everything, you know, great books and comics and music. And it's just like a world that I feel very, um, I yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that I I was part of it and, and that it really helped me out going through a difficult process in my life. So I, I also wanted to give that to Valeria, you know, like I wanted to give that background or that, that cover or like that uh, protection to her life because many times we see characters that are flawed, you know, like socially flawed, and they don't have any world to escape to, you know. Yeah. Like there's, it's like the classic Frankenstein. Like she, he's alone in the world, and he only wants like a partner, you know, someone to 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 share this breakness or how you say. But to me, it was important if you build a character like that, like like to show her that there's so, so many others around that can relate to her. Yeah. You know? no.
1: No, that that's such an exciting thing, too, because, we, you know, usually when you get flashbacks to stuff like that, it's always like, oh, she was a rebellious youth and now she's like, quote unquote, better. But I like the idea that, you know, it's that, you know, that 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 world for her to retreat into isn't a negative one. It's, you know, her blanket and her that's that's such a cool way to look at that. And I watching your short and this film, I one of the things that struck me the most is, you know, when you watch someone, you know, who's. Maybe coming more onto the scene like you are now, when you watch someone's like you know initial work, it you can always like maybe see influences in in their work, or you can see you know who who's inspiring them. But it, it's very rare, I think, to see someone who is almost as fully formed as you are and has a voice that's like your own. And so it, it was hard for me to like. Um, I mean, of course, you know, you could talk about you know like something like Rosemary's Baby or something, you know, because like, but. But I mean, even then, I didn't see like other than the thematic stuff. I didn't see a whole lot of uh, influence there. So I, I just, I guess what I'm trying to say in so many words is that it's exciting to see someone who is very much their own filmmaker and has their own voice. And and I would, you know, it you you can't immediately pick out those influences within their work. So I'm wondering, like, who who did influence you? Who were people that you looked to, you know, growing up or you know, coming into film and everything?
0: Yeah, great. I'm so happy that you think that I was always worried, you know, like every time I felt that I was really getting close to a reference or something, because there's like, for example, one scene in the film that some people have picked that is like very similar, like which is Jacob's Ladder.
1: Oh, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Yes, like the punk scene, uh, the way it's filmed, like the camera placement is very, very much inspired in the party scene from that film. So that's one that is really there and that I and also jacob's ladder has this aspect of someone that is getting her back cracked great right, yeah and, and he's traveling i mean it's, it's an amazing film and it travels all around right like uh, but i feel like that's, that that was definitely a, a big inspiration in in the way of craft i guess like the crafting i love that the style of jacob's Lather because it kind of builds the horror through camera work you know and yeah. like editing or like really cinema that's that's what, like the contrast of images yeah. And so, so that's one. Also, uh, Lynn Ramsey, I feel like she, oh, yeah. to me, yes, I love her. I, I feel like to me, maybe she had, well, we need to talk about Kevin. I think it's a horror film. I, oh, I do definitely. Film. Yeah. And and I feel like the way she narrates and the way she uses sound, it's to me just the best way of like cinema, you know, yeah. like, <laughs>
1: like,
0: like *Morgan* Color and uh, Rat Patcher. I mean, to me, just, those films are, Ma- ma- Magnific, you know and and i feel like i'm very influenced i i, I had some I had some classes back in the time with a a, t- a sound teacher that i think he worked with her in, in certain moment and and i feel like those were like the biggest notes that i had for the way i work sound you know like how kind of like building also there's another director from argentina lucrecia martel that she's very similar i mean in a, in the way of filmmaking as and they also are very, she's also very, uh, very sound director, you know, like very obsessed with sound. And I am also I feel like I'm like that as well. I very, my, my, uh, my town designers struggle with me. <laughs> but then at the end, they, they love me. But I feel like through the process we have like very, it's, it's not easy. That, so that's that sounds...
1: <laughs> that, that's so funny you brought up Lucretia Martel because before before the interview I I've been doing in and out of my basement doing laundry all day and I <laughs> I in the washer right now is a Lucretia Martell T shirt so that's so funny that you brought her up because oh
0: my god yeah no. yeah
1: because I just that I was sounds... like yeah i was looking at it like while i was putting it in the washer and so that's wow. really funny yeah
0: wow. i mean and sometimes i feel like she's not so known in, in no. the u.s because it's everything she's on is in spanish so i'm very happy that I do. yeah
1: no she's she's amazing and, and lynn ramsey too now that you mention it like something like Morvern Collar also uh there's a lot of you know turning you know comforting lighting on its head you know with like the christmas lights feeling you know very uneasy to oh look at God. it yeah yeah yes, and remember
0: so, that sound of the yes, lights. yeah That's, yeah actually that was one of the examples i remember from class <laughs> she's too much <laughs> yeah
1: it's that her work's very hard to watch but it's it's beautiful um but yeah. but, but but um also one of the things that, uh oh, i was just left my head but um but, <laughs> But uh, no, uh, th- hang on, I, I have it here. <laughs> no and I, do
0: have, that. I do have other ref- like I, I have to mention that also for for Wesera, I feel like we were really all around. Like like it was music and painting and graphic novels. Even I don't know if you know the comic Love and Rockets.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, that was, that was actually what put my my co writer and myself to work together. Like that's something that when we we were working in the same company and uh, we found out we were both big fans of love and rockets and that's how we kind of like started being friends and and became co-writers and um the characters of Valeria and Octavia are very inspired in in Maggie and Hopi from love and rockets for
1: oh, example oh that's, that's awesome
0: yeah, that... Like that they they have the relationship and yeah so it's it's funny you know how like like how things that are not filmed also like are impactful for for the film
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And now now that you mentioned all that it's like you can see that, you know, in retrospect, but it's really like I said it's just so exciting to watch something watch a new a new voice and and you know, not have those immediately showed and it's like, you know, just seeing someone's own voice is like just a very exciting thing. So, but oh I God. but I got so excited about Lucretia Martel that my last my <laughs> my last question fell right out of my head, but I just remembered um no worries. It, one of the things I really found kind of interesting was you almost flip the gender dynamics on their head in in like a domestic marriage. Like, you know, I I think it's very stereotypical to picture like, oh, here's a marriage, here's a man and woman. And, you know, the, the man is always the one working with his hands and everything. But I liked in this that Valeria was like, always making things with her hands and you know you know building that she's you know the one building the crib and everything was that something that was intentional or was that just you know what what kind of drew you to that
0: yeah no I love that you mentioned that I mean honestly like both my parents were uh, industrial designers so I grew up up in a house full with like furniture building and and then I also love the aspect of having uh, the main character working with her hands when also her hands are going to be like the ones that start cracking. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I also wanted to have to be to give her like this spider ish thing of having like a webbing work, you know, oh, like yeah. the, kind of, the kind of furniture she makes are, are like weaving ones, like Acapulco chairs. And um, so all of that was like, okay, this is the perfect thing for her. But then, like what you're saying of like, and that's something that I started understanding later like how she's the one building um, and I love that and and she's building this concept of domesticity which ends up like breaking down like I can't I don't want to spoil it but right. yeah it was like and and I feel like she I love to bring that aspect of her life that she, is kind of like what she really loves and she can do it for uh, to try to build this life but she can also take it away if, if in order if she wants to build another kind of life you know like something right. that comes with her um, yeah, I love that <laughs> and
1: and another thing that really struck me was you know when she goes to visit the older women and you know the like the is is that something that you're that you've been interested in like the mysticism and everything is that a part of your life or is or you maybe maybe not you know believing in it, but you know but yeah. is that something that you know you're interested in
0: yes i'm i am I do have an aunt that kind of belong like is in that kind of things, and uh yeah. And I really, I, I, at first I was like, uh, I, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was not interested, but then little by little, I understand it more and more. And I have more friends into that. And, and I do think like, I honestly wanted to build something that was cinematic that represented that kind of people that in my life, for example, have going, have gone through a breaking process. And then that they have found a way to fix themselves, you know, and now they're ready to help you out, go through that kind of processes. And to me, those kind of people that have that kind of like um, knowledge or, yeah, experience, sometimes are intimidating, you know. And 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 they can even be represented like uh, witches, you know, or like uh, shamans. And um, and that that also like that started cooking in the writing until I was like, okay, they have to be these like urban witches that are very inspiring. And and, and I also wanted to break like some uh, very cliché representations of these kind of characters. Uh, especially from Latin America because they're really not like that like they're oh. they you know they have smartphones and they like you know like <laughs> you know like it's, it's not it's not as a uh, like uh how to say like exotic as
1: yeah
0: as they're represented and I also wanted to be like loyal to that or kind of give them that representation uh so yeah
1: I I love that because they almost felt like people that you know. You could just go out and get drinks with, you know. D- exactly. it, yeah, they you they're know. Super
0: fun. And like, it's, it's like, yeah. And there's also like, there's, it's really like uh, their practices sometimes are mixes of many, many different practices. You know, it's like very complex now. Like, yeah, it has, it, yeah, it has like from every part of the world or like uh, traditions. It's, it's like a very, it's like how we're all are in the world right now. Now it's like we're like complete like every country is kind of mixing every, like any many other cultures
1: oh, yeah it's like of. yeah it's like a like a melting pot yeah definitely
0: that's something that is very from the moment <laughs>
1: in in one going back to color for a minute because the original is shot in black and white and then you know again not to go into spoiler territory but the ending of this movie is kind of like looks almost black and white in certain aspects yeah Yeah. yeah. is that something that you're interested in doing like what what was the impetus for shooting in black and white for the original and then is that something that you like to do is that something you'd go back to
0: you know what i was never always i I was never really driven uh, to black and white but for some reason the original kind of called for it it was funny but like through the development process I, I always envisioned it in black and white and then I, I really felt like it was a world that was um um and unsaturated and you know mm-hmm. yep. not saturated and um because of the kind of th- the way like um emotions are being treated you know or like this like uh, this kind this concept of throwing away something very easily I don't know I don't remember the word of in English but like yeah the concept of like throwing something and getting a new one easily
1: oh yeah like I know what you're trying to say yeah like re- yeah. recycling maybe Except or yeah
0: like like or, or also like fast food you know like when oh you...
1: oh disposable yeah disposable. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah uh, exactly that's the word and I feel that should be black and white and I also like the I was in London back when I did the original so I was really scared of not being connected to the place because I was just there for a year. I didn't feel like I could do a, a real like I was I wasn't feeling very attached to the place. Yeah. So then I, I really wanted to be and everyone involved in the short. Nobody was from London. We were from all around the world and we really wanted to build a world that was like kind of flying there, like you don't know where it is, you know? And um And I feel like the black and white was loyal to that as well.
1: Oh yeah, it um, makes it like timeless almost, like it could be at any time any place. That's that's a really cool way to to do yeah. that. And 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 how so how has the um the festival run for this been for you because I saw that it won some awards at Tribeca and you know, it's been playing at all these different festivals. That has to be exciting to especially with uh, well first of all, have you been able to attend any of them? I know that things have been kind of over the last few years, touch and go with being able to attend festivals and everything. Have you been able to attend any in person? And what's that been like for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I got lucky because I feel like when we premiered in Tribeca, it's kind of like when festivals started happening again in... in Essential, that's the word, in like in person. Yeah. And uh, So I traveled a lot. Like last year, I think I went to maybe 15 or something. (laughs) I (laughs) don't know, that's all around. I went to Korea. It was my first time in wow. And I went to Peru and Argentina, and uh, I mean, Latin American has 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 been very excited about the film as well. And oh, uh, I went to Canada and many cities in the U.S. and it was wild for me. Like it's it's just like incredible <laughs> to go out of the cinema. I, we were we were also in Sitges, and um, which is like very impressive because it's like the it feels like, you know, like the big festival for genre and uh, oh, yeah. the biggest. It, it just too big and it was it's just impressive like to me like to have audiences like she just had for example a thousand seat uh cinema yeah and it was almost packed and it's just to see that quantity of people watching your film and then oh my god like going outside and and so many people approaching you like very like there were there has been like many encounters that with, with people that are very affected by the film That that has been impressive for me. Very, very, yeah, like very moving. And I mean, that really um, synthesizes what I think is like why I made the film. You know, like that's exactly what what moves me because that's how that's. I mean, what I feel in a cinema is that sometimes it really like um, you you have a like human connection that is very hard to express. Like you feel like you have company sometimes when you feel very alone. I feel like cinema gives you like those moments that give life sense, you know, and to go outside and see that people feel like that with Wesera, it's been like too much, like the best thing ever. (laughs)
1: That's so exciting. Yeah. Especially just because we were only just getting back to being able to experience stuff like that again. So to, to be able to, you know, share something that, you know, is so personal to you and and have that reaction. That's amazing. That's, that's awesome. Well, so uh, just wrapping it up here. are, are you working on anything currently? Do you have anything that, you know, that, I mean, I'm sure if you are, you know, you can't talk too much about it, but is there anything <laughs> that you have going on that, you know, you can kind of tease a little bit?
0: Of course, uh, I do have uh, the next two films coming actually. Like, oh, uh, nice. Yes. Well, okay. No, the first thing is that I directed uh, an episode for, um, so in the nineties, there was like um, like the kind of like the Mexican Twilight Zone. That is like the TV show where Guillermo El Toro and Guaron started. Oh wow! And that's called La Hora Marcada, and that's th- there's going to be a reboot now, and that is coming out, I think, in April. And it's like we're nine uh, directors from Latin America that we're all like kind of like the Latin American like part of that community of horror and sci-fi in our countries.
1: That's amazing, so, and and to follow in their their footsteps, you know, like Del Toro and Coron, like that's that's amazing. What what's the show called? Just so people listening can try to track it down. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's called La Hora Marcada, which means like okay. the the marked hour. And, oh, uh, cool! And I'm very happy with my episode. I mean, <laughs> I I will finish it now. We're finishing. Actually, the main character is the aunt inguesera oh, and nice. uh, and I really enjoyed it. It was like making a short film with a lot of support, and they re- gave me a lot of freedom, so it, it feels very authorial for me. Um amazing. I think amazing. for every director, and, and we're very excited about it. So yeah. I, I really, it's going to be in this weird platform that is called VIX Plus that I know it's in the U.S. And I, and so I hope uh, like everyone can watch it over there as well. Oh,
1: definitely. <laughs> and, I, and you know, I'll yeah. definitely shout that out, too, if I'm able to track it down, because that's exciting. That's yeah, that's really cool it. to hear. And that's cool to hear, too, that they let you kind of have your own voice with that, because, you know, at least as far as I, I am aware of with American television, that it's not a very director driven medium so that's really cool that like you were able to retain your your voice with that
0: yeah i feel very like impressed because i was expecting working with platforms and all that like to be repressed but honestly like they were very supportive uh it's actually a very dark story and they were okay with it (laughs) that's awesome and then uh, so the next films are coming and i'm going actually to film the second feature this year which i feel very rushed, but that's how things happen. Like, it's very different from Wesera in the sense that for Wesera I had a lot of time. But that's what everybody says with first features, like you have a lot of time. But then this one, I feel like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to go in set so soon. It's also horror. And it's also set in Mexico, It's it, but it's not in Mexico City. It's going to be set up in a small town in the Southeast of the country. And it's a little bit more in the areas of cosmic horror. I'm very excited oh. about it that's of, awesome
1: that's like yeah. one of my favorite like subgenres so that's really cool
0: well i hope it comes out well <laughs>
1: oh oh i'm sure it will <laughs>
0: the other one it's an adaptation of a short story by mariana enriquez which i don't know if you know her but she's an amazing writer from argentina and um that's a uh, coming of age and it's, it's more like in a slasher kind of world uh also set up in, in mexico city so yeah that's oh. the those are the two that I can speak for the moment <laughs> Oh,
1: that's that's so exciting and and I love that you're you're sticking with horror, but it sounds like each one is kind of a different, you know, like I said way you know earlier, a different universal thematic thing that but you're able to tackle through like a different kind of horror. That's exciting. Um, yes. and, and and it's you know, you we've talked about how horror is like you know, something that you're drawn to, but are there any other you know genres or you know uh, kind of stories that you'd like to tell eventually?
0: Um, I mean, I wouldn't say no, but I feel like I do have curiosity, especially like for dark dramas or dark comedies. Uh, like for example, in this episode, I put it in, in it like so much dark comedy, which I was surprised by myself. Like, uh, I had a lot of fun with the actors and (laughs) kind of like that, but I'm just discovering now uh, that I also like that. And, and I actually directed another TV show that it's a thriller, like a cop thriller with chasing scenes. And I actually had a lot a of fun. It was very fun to do. That's so open. Awesome. <laughs> but I love horror. I just love, I just love the genre. And at the moment, I I don't see myself like uh, going just like full drama, for example. But let's see.
1: Oh, I totally get it, though. Yeah, horror horror is definitely the most exciting to work and, and engage in. But uh but th- this has been really great. Thank you uh, so much for taking the time to do this, and and congratulations on everything. I'm really excited for this to come out and for people to see it. Like a told you before we started recording I just kind of I go to my little indie theater here in Pittsburgh all the time and and I just went to this not really knowing much about it or having you know heard about it because like we we have a decent film community in Pittsburgh but like there's not a whole lot of like indie film here and so it's always exciting to get something like this so I'm I'm was really just blown away kind of stumbling out of the theater after that. And so I'm I'm really excited for people to see it and and so thank you again for this.
0: Thanks to you, Brandon. It was amazing to talk to you. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the film comes out in February 10 in yeah. some selected theaters, and then it's going to be in BOD in the 16th of February. Oh, that's <laughs> and then it's going to reach Shudder, which I'm really excited about, that, about. That's
1: amazing. I I love what they do there. I love, I love. how many voices they've given to people and everything.
0: Yes. But, <laughs>